0: Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. So this morning, uh, what we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to go fishing. Is that all right with you guys? Anyone here love to go fishing? Awesome, there we go. Anyone here hate fishing? Uh, I'm sorry about that. If you hate fishing, I would love to take you fishing, and maybe I can change your mind a little bit. Um, But uh, I love going fishing. It's something that uh, I grew up doing uh, with my uh, dad and my grandpa and things like that. And and I love going fishing because you get to go and just be in the beauty of God's creation. Um, I say I love fishing. What I actually really love is catching It's a whole lot more fun when you're catching something. Uh, It's fun to drown worms, but it's way better if you're catching a fish. So um, I actually uh, have a few pictures of some fish that I've caught over the years uh, because this is my chance to get to show off a little bit. So this first fish, um, I actually had to zoom in on the picture a little bit so you can see there is a fish there uh, that was... One of the first fish I caught on that fly rod. Um, And the reason why this is one of the fish I'm most proud about is not because it's big, like I've caught bigger fish, but uh, see anybody can catch a big fish on a dry fly. Like, you know, you just get a giant fish that happens to catch it, like big deal. If you catch a fish that's like the same size as the fly, You're doing something right. So uh, this is one of my my proud moments of fishing. The next picture I have is actually just to prove that I can catch some big fish. Uh, This was up in Alaska a few years ago. I got to go up there uh, and fish the Kenai River. And man, that was so much fun. If you've never been fishing in Alaska, you should do it. It's a ton of fun. As I said, one of the things I love most about fishing is that you get to do it with people that you love. Uh, My dad and my grandpa, we grew up going fishing lots, and and I loved doing that. And nowadays, I get to go fishing with my son, Uh, and so I have some amazing selfies here of us fishing. You'll see here, the picture on the left, that's actually the first fish we ever caught together. Uh, And you can see through the progression, he's learned to appreciate fishing more and more. That first time there, he, I, he must have been cold or something. He just wasn't loving it. I don't think he got the idea. Nowadays, he's all about fishing. Uh, we have all sorts of pictures of him running around the house with the fishing pole, things like that. And then uh, here, this is a picture of us recently. And as I said, I love fishing, but there's one thing I hate about fishing. It's like my least favorite thing about fishing, and it's this. I go fishing with a three-year-old, and he's better at it than I am. Right, this here, this is a picture of us up at the lake by my parents' cabin. In um, this particular uh, time, it was in the afternoon, and we were hanging out at the cabin. And I wanted to go fishing, so we hopped in the jeep and we headed over there. And it was in the afternoon. I didn't expect to catch anything, but I thought, hey, I love going fishing, so we went over there and uh, we get out with our fishing poles. And, and my wife was was with us, and you know, she's the one that took the picture, right? Um, And we get out there and and I'm all excited and I throw some bait on the hook and I cast out there. And like I said, I didn't expect to catch anything. And within like 10 seconds, I have a bite. And I did the thing that I was taught when I was James's age. I was taught, you gotta set that hook. Like you gotta try to rip the fish's lips off. That's, That's the goal. So I get that bite and I yank that thing and I missed the fish, and I was like, oh, man, so I reel in, and while I'm doing that, I decide, all right, I should probably bait James's hook, and I give him his pole and his hook, and and then I cast out again, and and I get another bite, and I go to set the hook, and I miss the fish, and so this happened a few times, and my wife is there, like, kind of laughing at me, she's like, are you sure you know what you're doing, and Next thing I know, I look over at James, uh, and he hasn't quite figured out how to cast. He loves the fishing poles, he loves to press the button. So he's standing on the side of the dock, and he just stands there and he presses the button, and his bait goes bloop, like down in the water. Uh, and so I'm, I'm rebaiting the hook, and next thing I look over, I see his line is just taken off. And I'm like, dude, you got a fish. And he's like, woo, and he starts reeling in. James caught this gigantic fish that's about the size of him before I ever caught a single fish, and I learned in that moment uh, I have been outfished by a three-year-old. So um, I love fishing. I hate that my son is better at it than me. We did end up catching a bunch of fish that day, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, But I don't bring up fishing just because I wanted to brag. I mean, honestly, that's part of the reason why. But this morning, what we're actually going to do, we're going to take a look at some stories in the Bible about fishing, Specifically, we're going to take a look at a couple miracles that Jesus performed involving uh, one of his disciples named Simon Peter. And if you know anything about Simon Peter, he, what was his profession before he met Jesus? He's a fisherman. Yes, he's a professional fisherman. And Now, you might hear me this morning say, uh, call this guy either Simon or Peter or Simon Peter. Uh, it's not three different guys. It's the same guy, uh, just different names for him. And so we're going to take a look at some stories and some interaction between Peter and Jesus uh, and having to do with fishing. So before we get into the word, let's pray real quick, and then uh, we'll jump into it. God, we thank you for your word and the truth that is found within it. Uh, We pray this morning that you would speak to us. uh, God, that you would reveal uh, what you want to speak deep into our hearts. Lord, that we would be open to what you have to say, and we would respond to that. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your bibles you can open to luke chapter 5 we're going to start in uh, verse 1 i'll have it up on the screen this is the new living translation that i'm going to read out of this morning and it says this one day as jesus was preaching on the shore of the sea of galilee great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of god he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets stepping into one of the boats jesus asked simon its owner to push it out into the water so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So Jesus is speaking to these crowds, there's too many people that can't all see him and he figures, hey, I'll I'll head out and I'll just sit in the water so that everyone can see and hear me. So he goes out there, picking up in verse four, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they'd caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is an incredible story. And I think sometimes when we read the Bible, um, we can glance over stories like this and just be like, wow, that's kind of cool. But I want to make sure we understand exactly what happened here. Jesus had come and he's hanging out in this guy's boat. And he talks for a while and he says, hey, you should go try catching some more fish. And this guy, who's a professional fisherman, he hasn't caught a single thing all night. And he says, well, fine, because you told me to. I'll go out there. And in one cast of his nets, he catches so many fish that his boat is starting to sink. Like, this is an incredible move of God, a miracle in this guy's life. And it can be easy for us to overlook it and be like, wow, that's, that's good for him. Maybe you don't like fish, and it's not that big a deal to you. But for this guy, this is a miracle, and he's experiencing something amazing. And so this morning, what I want to do is draw our attention to a couple things within this story. And the first thing I want to draw our attention to is Peter's response to Jesus telling him to cast out the nets one more time. It says in verse 5, it says, Master, Simon Peter replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a single thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I love Peter's response because it reminds us that Peter is a human like you and I. Peter, here's what Jesus tells him to do, and he's like, ah, Jesus, I am worn out. But if you say so, I guess I'll do it. Because the thing is, Peter could have given Jesus a long list of excuses as to why he didn't want to cast again. Jesus could have said, hey, Peter, you should go out there and cast one more time. And Peter could have said, you know what? Uh, What do you know about fishing? I've heard that you're a carpenter, and I'm the fisherman here. Jesus, how about we do this? You go build a table and I'll take care of getting the food for the table, right? He could have said, I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. He could have said, Jesus, you've been blabbing all day long in the boat, and you've scared all the fish away. Anyone ever been fishing with the guy that says you got to be quiet because fish have excellent hearing? Are any of you that person? Let me just say, fish don't care. I fish with a three-year-old. He's loud, and he catches plenty of fish. He could have said, Jesus, it isn't the right time of day to go fishing right now. The right time to go fishing is at nighttime. When we went last night, we didn't catch anything. Jesus, I don't think there's any fish here. He could have simply said, Jesus, I need a nap, right? He could have given Jesus all of these different excuses because Jesus challenged Peter to take a step of faith, and Peter had to decide, am I going to obey and listen to my excuses, or am I going to listen to what Jesus is telling me to do? Am I going to say, you know what? I've got an excuse for that. I don't want to do that. Or I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, you tell me to do this. I'll give it a shot. And maybe we need to ask ourselves this question. What step of faith has God called you to take, but you only meet him with excuses? People are professional excuse makers. You look all the way back in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve sin and God speaks to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you at? And God gives us, or he gives God this excuse, that woman you put me with, he blames God for the decision that he's made. So we've been making excuses from the very beginning. We're good at making excuses. And my question this morning would be, is what step of faith has God called you to take, but you've only met him with excuses? Maybe you would say, I can't serve in church because I'm not qualified. Or there are already people doing it. There's no space for me. It's someone else's responsibility. Maybe you say, I can't invite my friends or family members to church because they're just gonna say no or it'll offend them if I say anything about Jesus and then our relationship will be hindered. Maybe you say, I can't forgive that person because they won't even say sorry. I don't even know if they know they did anything wrong, but I'm mad at them. Or you might say, it hurts too much. There's no way I could ever forgive. Maybe you say, I can't tithe because I can't trust anyone else with my money. I'm barely getting by. The list goes on and on. If we're we're being honest, I'm willing to bet we all have some kind of excuse within our heart where God has spoken something to us before, and we say, you know what? I don't know if I wanna do that, God, because of this. But here's the thing that we need to realize about this miracle that Peter experienced. Because Peter didn't give in to the excuses, he experienced a blessing and saw a miracle. If Peter had given in to one of his excuses, I don't think he would have seen the miracle. If he told Jesus, I need a nap, I'm not doing that, he wouldn't have caught any fish because Jesus wasn't gonna catch the fish for him. Peter had to get over his excuses, take a step of faith and actually cast the net. Which leads to this next question is, what blessing and miracle are you missing out on because of your excuses? When God tells you to do something, you've given him excuses, what is the thing, the blessing that God wants to give you? What is the miracle that God wants to work in your life that you've given them the excuses and you're missing out on. You might say, I can't serve in church, but who knows, you may find that if you take a step to serve, God has already given you every single gift that you will ever need to serve and be a part of his kingdom, and that you'll find a new sense of purpose and fulfillment. You might say, I can't invite my friends because they'll just say no, but who knows, you may actually invite a friend to church and they might actually say yes, which in some ways is a little bit scarier Right. It's it's really easy to invite someone thinking, oh, I know they're going to say no. And you invite them and oh, they said no. Oh, darn. But what happens if they actually say yes, they may actually show up here, hear about the grace of Jesus Christ, have their lives changed for all eternity. And you may play a role in starting some kind of generational chain of people that serve Jesus for years and years and years to come. You can be a part in that blessing. You might say you can't forgive someone because they haven't asked for it. It hurts too much. But who knows you may forgive and find that you are the one that was actually being held captive by your bitterness and you are the one that is now free there's freedom in forgiveness you say you can't tithe because you can't trust others with your money or you can't trust God but who knows you may tithe for the first time and realize that God really does follow up on his promises to provide Jesus speaks again and again about how God is the one who provides for us and we simply need to trust in him so what is, what is the miracle? What is the blessing that you're missing out on? Because you've given God excuses instead of taking a step and saying yes. And I'll say this, that whatever your excuse is for not obeying God, it isn't worth missing out on what's on the other side of saying yes. That excuse is never enough. That excuse is never better than what's on the other side of saying yes. Sometimes it can be scary to say no to your excuses and say yes to God. But the results of obeying a call God puts on your heart is always better than the alternative because you reap what you sow. This is a biblical principle that we see throughout the Bible over and over and over again. If we're only sowing excuses and disobedience in our life, we can't expect to reap the reward that God has for us. But if we sow faith, then we will see amazing things take place. And I want to take a real quick uh, sidestep because I think it's important we clarify a couple things here. You can get some weird theology uh, if you think of God as like a vending machine where if I just press the right buttons, then God will spit out the miracle. Or if uh, God isn't spitting out the miracle, it must be because I'm not doing the right things. And I want to make sure that we understand this, that if you've been praying for a miracle, I'm not saying the reason you haven't experienced it yet is because of some disobedience in your life. Now, certainly that can be the truth. There may be things that God will withhold and he's saying, hey, I've called you, I've told you to do this, but you haven't taken the step of faith. But there are other times where maybe there's a purpose in our suffering. Maybe we need to learn perseverance in prayer. Maybe we need to learn to trust that God has the whole picture in mind and we only simply see a little bit of the picture. And so I want you to remember that when you're praying for a miracle to take place in your life, it is important, yes, that we examine and say, hey, is there some kind of disobedience in my life? Is there something that I've said no to God and he continues to tell me to say yes? Sometimes that is the answer. Sometimes the answer is simply, God, I'm praying for a miracle uh, and I I feel like maybe you're not hearing me, but I'm going to continue to trust you and believe that you're going to respond. And so we see that Peter took a step of faith, and he saw this miracle happen, and his life is changed forever. I love this about Peter. Peter is an interesting person in the Bible. I love him because he's like 100% human, right? And so Peter, he takes this uh, huge step of faith where he goes, all right, fine, Jesus, I'll throw the net out. And he sees this miracle take place, and then we see that the direction of his life is changed forever. And we see that he goes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I'm not even worthy to be around you. Like, I recognize there is something about you. Jesus, you are the son of God. Uh, And in case you didn't know this, you probably know this, God, but I'm a bad dude, is what Peter says. Peter goes to Jesus He says, Jesus, I'm a professional sinner. And I love Jesus' response. He meets Peter right there in that moment. He says, Peter, don't be afraid. Like, I knew that about you already. Don't worry, right? He says, but if you think what you just experienced was great, wait for what else I have for you. I've got bigger and better and badder things for you. Peter, I'm gonna use you to build my kingdom. And Jesus gives Peter this call, and he says, Peter, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. I'm gonna have you fish for people. And so Peter gets this new calling, and but notice something interesting about the calling that Jesus gives him. He uses Peter's gifts. Jesus didn't come into Peter's life and and like wreck it and say, all right, Peter, this is the direction you've been going. These are the things you're passionate about. These are the things that you care about. Forget all that stuff. We're going a different direction. No, Jesus said, Peter, you have this gift. I've given you this thing. You have these abilities. You have these desires. Uh, You have this passion. I'm going to use that for my purpose. And I believe this, that when Jesus calls us to take a step of faith, When he calls us to follow him and be a part of building his kingdom, he'll use the gifts he's already equipped you with to accomplish his purpose. God has already given you the ability to be a part of his kingdom building, and he will use that if you will simply say yes. We then see with Peter's life, he goes into this three-year journey where he witnesses Jesus do even more amazing miracles. Like things started off with a bang where he saw this amazing miracle of this miraculous catch of fish. But then we see as you follow the story and you read the rest of the gospels, we see that Peter is there for pretty much everything. Peter gets to witness Jesus heal sick people. He gets to witness Jesus open the blind's eyes. He gets to see people speak that couldn't speak. He gets to see the crippled walk. He gets to see dead people come back to life. Peter is one of the guys that's there with the transfiguration of Jesus. When Jesus is there and and he reveals his glory and sees all these amazing things, he gets to see Jesus walk on water and Peter himself is the only other guy recorded in the Bible that gets out of the boat and walks on the water. All of this stuff happened because Peter was willing to go fishing one more time. See, when Jesus told Peter, Peter, cast the nets one more time. Peter didn't give in to his excuses but said, Jesus, I'll give it a shot because you tell me to. And then he experienced all of this amazing, incredible stuff, and he gets to walk with the Savior of the world. But then when we look at the story, it takes a really interesting turn. As great as things are, there's this crazy ending of the story. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he says, Hey, just so you guys know, things are about to get really crazy. I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be beaten, and I'm going to be killed. And actually, Peter, his response is like, Jesus, there's no way, right? No way, Jose. That's what he says, and, and Jesus actually rebukes him. And he says, Peter says, Jesus, I'll never let that happen. And Jesus tells Peter, Peter, uh, not only is it going to happen, but you're going to deny that you even knew me three times before the rooster crows. And so we, we see, we read the story, and we're going to learn about it with Easter coming up. Uh, Jesus is taken, he's arrested, and he's put on trial. And the Bible talks about how Peter kind of hangs around there. Actually, Peter tries to stop it. He whips out a sword, tries to chop a dude's head off. He misses and cuts his ear off. So don't trust Peter for fighting. Trust him for fishing. That's what I would say. But Jesus is taken. He's arrested this guy that he's just spent three years with. Peter's left everything. It says there at the end of that last story you read that he left his entire fishing business, everything he had. He's like, I'm following Jesus. He now follows this guy, he's taken, he's arrested, and he's being put on trial, and Peter is standing there going, what in the world happened? And then people start coming to Peter like, hey, don't you know him? And Peter's like, ah, oh, don't, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. And someone comes up, no, I'd like, you are with him, you're one of his disciples. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know the guy. Someone else comes up and says, Peter, I, I think that you're one of, like, you were with Jesus, I saw you. And it it actually says that Peter denies it, and then he kind of reverts to like his sailor days because he starts cussing at the people, right? He's a sailor, and sailors are good at swearing. So he starts swearing and calling down curses from heaven, all this stuff. And he everything, he'd given everything up to follow Jesus, and then in this moment, he's cursing it all and saying, I have never met the guy. And then we see in Luke chapter 22, verses 61 and 62, it says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Just after Peter had finished saying, no, I don't know the guy a third time, Jesus locks eyes with him. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows tell you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter had left everything to follow Jesus. He'd seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. And now Peter finds himself in an interesting place. And I'm sure he begins in this moment to question everything that he'd witnessed over the last few years. I'm sure he wondered if he blew his opportunity to do everything Jesus had called him to do. And as bad as that is, the story gets worse. Not only does he reject Jesus, but Jesus is then taken, and he's hung on a cross, and he dies. And this is what Peter's living with, is he's given up everything, and now the guy that he's decided to follow is now dead and i'm sure he's wondering was it really worth it like what just happened did i really experience the miracle that i thought i did was it a farce or what's going on here but then we see that the story takes another incredible turn peter's hanging out with his friends and then these two women show up and they're like hey the tomb is empty jesus isn't dead anymore and they're like, what is going on? And I actually love the book of John gives the account where it says Peter and, and the disciple that Jesus loved, who we believe is John, it says they ran there. And it actually, it points out that John was faster than Peter is. And Peter gets there, and it says that Peter actually walks into the tomb first, and he realizes, like, Jesus isn't here. And the story is incredible as it is, right? This is the resurrection story. This is why we, we believe what we believe. Jesus then appears to the disciples, And he's like, hey, I'm back. I told you this was going to happen. I died for the sins of the world. And and we find that Peter is now left in this kind of strange limbo situation where Jesus is still doing incredible things, but he's not really sure if he's screwed up or not, if he's missed out on his chance because he rejected Jesus not too long before. And then we see another incredible story of this interaction between Peter and Jesus. It's found in John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. It says, later... Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. See, Peter was a fisherman, and all this crazy stuff had happened. He's hungry. He doesn't know what to do with his life. All he knows is, I'm pretty good at fishing. That's the thing I used to do. That's where I met Jesus. Who knows what could happen? Let's go. I want to go fishing. So he gets his buddies together. They head out, head out to the water. And it says, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Apparently, Peter wasn't actually very good at fishing is kind of what I'm picking up on here. He catches nothing in both of these stories. Verse 4 says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Nope, they replied. Now these guys give the typical answer, if you ask someone who's fishing, you caught anything? They all say the same thing. Nah, not much, nothing much is biting. Either they're telling the truth, like these guys are, they haven't caught anything, or they're lying to you because they don't want you to go to their spot, right? Either way, they tell this random guy that's on the shore, hey, you guys catch anything? No, we haven't caught anything. Verse 6 says, then he said, this is Jesus, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. And I'm sure Peter, who's been out there, he's frustrated. He's just gone through all this emotional roller coaster. He's been fishing, and he's like, I'm good at fishing, but I can't seem to catch anything. Oh, we should have been catching on the right side of the boat. Because we all know like six feet makes a big difference in fishing. And so this guy, this random guy on the shore says, hey, try casting on the other side of the boat. Verse six says, so they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Does the story sound familiar? Verse seven, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for each strip for work, jumped in the water and headed to the shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the load of the net to the shore. For they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over the charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. We see Peter here. He responds, and he realizes, hey, this is Jesus. Jesus. And he's like, forget you guys, forget the fish, I'm going to Jesus. And he goes, he jumps in the water, he swims over, and Jesus is like, hey Peter, you should probably go help those guys out. So he goes back, helps grab some fish. Verse 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. And so we see that Peter uh, experiences yet again another miracle much like the very first time jesus called him he's now is experiencing this thing again and in the matter of just a few days peter's gone from denying jesus to seeing his savior the guy he's followed killed to now he's back to life and and now he's doing more miracles and it's this crazy roller coaster that he's going through and then we see this amazing experience this interaction between jesus and peter Verse 15 says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And now this is kind of like a weird story. We're talking about fish, and now we're talking about sheep. But we need to understand here, Jesus is doing something really important in Peter's life. See, Jesus is reminding Peter of who he was and the calling that he had on his life. Peter has just disowned Jesus three times and seen him die, but Jesus wasn't done with him yet. Three times here, Jesus reinstates Peter and encourages him that he has a calling on his life. Three times, Peter said, no, nah, I don't know the guy. Forget him and swears of people, right? I'm not gonna say what he said because that doesn't need to be said in church. And then three times, Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, I've got plans for you. Peter, I have something for you. Peter, I have a call on your life. You are called to be a fisher of men. And so here's an important truth that we need to understand. Even when we mess up, Understand that Jesus isn't done with you yet. Even when we mess up, Jesus still offers redemption. He still has a plan for your life. And when we turn to him, he will meet us in that place. And the really cool thing is, is Peter's story actually doesn't end here. It goes on and we we read in the book of Acts actually about something even more amazing that happens. See, Peter eventually learned what it actually meant to be a fisher of men. He came to understand that life was more than just catching fish, but that what he really was called to do was to share the message of Jesus Christ. We see in Acts chapter 2, it talks about uh, on the the day of Pentecost, the disciples or the apostles, they received the Holy Spirit. They begin speaking in tongues, and all this crazy stuff happens, and the crowd shows up. And I love that the very first gospel message ever starts with, we're not drunk, it's too early in the morning because people were accusing them of being drunk. So, Peter, not the most eloquent guy, but he gets it together and he shares this message about the grace of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that uh, over 3,000 people that day get saved. Now, I believe because Peter had learned to trust Jesus when he said, Peter, cast the line, Peter had the faith and strength to cast the line in Acts chapter two. Only this time around, it wasn't fish that he was after but it was human souls that were in desperate need of a savior. Because Peter, all the way back those years ago, had said, all right, Jesus, I'll cast the line one more time. And because he hadn't given up on the calling that God had on his life, and because Jesus reminded him of that calling, Peter had the strength to get up on that day. Know that he had the power of the Holy Spirit within him to stand up and say, I've got a million excuses why I shouldn't get up and tell these people about Jesus. But I'm gonna take a step of faith and I'm gonna believe that Jesus is gonna work in my life. And Peter casts the net one more time. And it says 3,000 people that day got saved. Peter fulfilled his purpose of being a fisher of men because he was willing to say no to the excuses and say yes to Jesus. He learned to trust that when Jesus said to cast the net, even when it didn't make sense, that Jesus would be faithful to provide the harvest. And so I'm going to wrap things up this morning, and I just want to ask a few questions for us. My first question would be this, is do you need to take a step of faith today to be obedient to something God has called you to do? Are you like Peter? Are you sitting in the boat? And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to cast that net. I want you to serve in church. I want you to forgive that person. I want you to invite that person to church. I want you to take a step of faith. I want to challenge you with this, and instead of saying yes to your list of excuses, say yes to God's call and see what mighty work he might do in your life. Because the thing is, you don't catch very many fish when you refuse to cast. But when we say yes, God, I will be obedient, then the amazing things can take place in our lives. You can be confident in knowing that it isn't your ability that leads to miracles. Notice, Peter couldn't catch anything. He didn't catch a single fish on his own. Yet when you took a step of faith, miracles took place. Your responsibility is not to build God's kingdom in your own power. You can't build God's kingdom in your own power. But what you can do is say, God, I'm available and I'm willing. Would you use me for your purpose? And when we take that step of faith, we can see the amazing take place. We can see miracles take place in our lives. So what I want to do this morning as I wrap things up, I'm going to ask we all bow our heads, close our eyes. We're just going to pray together. Um, With every head bowed and every eye closed, I simply wanna ask this question. Is there something in your life that you would say, you know what, God has called me to do this thing. And it can be something big. God has called me to take this huge step of faith and I'm scared to do it. Or maybe it's something uh, that you need to make the decision each and every single day, it's just one little thing. Whatever it is, have you been giving God those excuses, saying, God, I can't do that because of this? I wanna challenge you this morning to say, you know what, I'm not gonna give that excuse. But I'm going to say yes and believe that God can do a miracle. So if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up real quick You'd say, you know what, I need to, I need to quit saying yes to my excuses and start saying yes to what God is doing in my life. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Uh, God, I pray that this morning that you would encourage us to take a step of faith. Lord, I know that it doesn't always make sense to follow where you're calling us. Lord, I know that it can be a scary thing. And God, we've got a list of excuses that could go on and on and on. But Lord, we know that the one reason to say yes to you is enough, because you have called us to do it. So Lord, I pray that this morning that we would uh, find the courage to say yes to you. And Lord, I pray as a result of that, that we would see the miraculous take place in our lives, that lives would be changed for all eternity, Uh, that freedom would be brought into our lives, that peace would be felt. God, that it wouldn't be in our own uh, strength, Lord, but we would learn to trust you in your strength. God, I pray that as a result of this, this decision, that we would see you work within us. Real quick, as I wrap things up, I want to ask, one last question is, maybe you're here today and you need to take that first step of faith. Maybe you're like Peter in that boat the first time, you don't know a whole lot about Jesus, but you know enough to say, There's something about Jesus that I need to make the decision to say yes for the first time. I'll tell you this, that choosing to follow Jesus is the greatest decision you will ever make. And it's such an amazing thing when we read about the grace of Jesus. We don't have to get our lives put together. We come to Jesus like Peter did, and we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be in your presence. But because of what you did for me on the cross, I believe that I can be forgiven and I can experience new life. And so this morning, if you're here and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I want to challenge you to come talk to me or Pastor John or someone else on staff after service. We'd love to pray with you. And you can make that decision right now and say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe you can forgive. We're going to pray one more time and then uh, we'll wrap things up. And um, I'm excited because I do believe that when we take a step of faith, we're going to see miracles take place. So let's pray. God, we thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of people like Peter in the Bible. Lord, that we can know that Uh, you don't need perfect people, but you just simply want willing and able people. And I pray that is what we would be this morning. We thank you for all your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, that you meet us where we're at and you've called us to bigger and better things. God, we love you and pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. I do want to remind you, we got Easter coming up. Maybe the step of faith you need to take is grab one of those cards, share it with someone that you interact with this week, invite someone to Easter. Also, don't forget, uh, we need candy for the Easter eggs. So bring that with us next week. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday for midweek service. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.